so thankful for the fact that we can call you our Father, our God, our fortress, that we don't need to worry. Life is but a fleeting breath. It's just a sigh. It's quick. It's just a, a, we're a blip here on this planet. But yet we have a God who is eternal. And you've given us eternal life. So we look forward to that coming day when your kingdom comes and your will is done perfectly as it is right now in heaven by your angels. Lord, I pray that you will bless the preaching of your word this morning. In Christ's name, amen. Please open your Bibles to Psalm, or Psalm, I am so backwards this morning. This morning I was saying Matthew and now I'm saying Psalms. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6 this morning. I'm going to read verses 1 to 18. Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 to 18. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray... You must not pray like the hypocrites, for they stand, or for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. 
So now we enter into the second chapter of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5-7 to contains Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And in the first chapter, in chapter 5, we move through a lot of material. Again, there were like eight sermons or so in Matthew 5 alone. And there was a lot of material there. We looked first at the Beatitudes, who we are as blessed disciples of Jesus. What it means to be part of God's kingdom as a blessed Disciple. He then moves on into telling us that as these blessed disciples, that we need to be salt and light in the world. We need to be lights of the gospel, spreading the gospel news throughout our area as lights of the gospel. But also we're to be salt. So we seek out the rot in our, in our communities and in our society in order to find that rot and to be salt and to preserve the rot from going or decaying even further. But then he kind of, even Matthew 5, a little bit in the middle, he, he moved a little bit over and started talking about the, the law, the law of Moses. The fact that he, as the Christ, was the fulfillment of God's law. And so after that, he brings up uh, six different contrasts that really we spent a lot of time looking at. These antithesis, these contrasts where he says, that the law says this, and that, that's good and right, but let me properly interpret it for you. And he goes on to interpret it for us. So really, as we went through Matthew chapter 5, a lot of what Jesus did was analyze our hearts. He's seeking to display the fact that our hearts are really, truly wicked aside from trusting in the saving work of Christ. So going through and and we realize that we don't measure up, we realize that we commit adultery in our heart, we realize that we're angry people in our hearts, all of this. He just kind of pours it on us and shows us how weak and sinful that we truly are. And then in verse 48 of chapter 5, he says, okay, in light of how bad you are, you need to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And so last week we looked at the fact that the only way that we would be able to be perfect in the eyes of God is if Christ has been placed upon us and we're, we're wrapped in the robes of righteousness. Aside from Christ wrapping us in his own robes of righteousness, we are truly doomed. But as we move into chapter 6, Jesus springboards into some practical examples of how we as disciples of Christ should live. He tells us how to do things and, and other things he tells us what not to do. He brings out these three great duties of giving to the poor, of praying and fasting. This is, these are duties, these are responsibilities, these are disciplines or exercises that we as Christians are to be involved with. In fact, the way that Jesus even words it, as we'll see, he, he words it as though he's, he's assuming it. He, he assumes that we're going to give to the needy. He assumes that we're going to pray. He assumes that we are going to fast. So in each of these... There is at least an example and a warning. So for those of you who take notes, there are three main pieces that we're going to be looking at in verses 1 to 18. And each of these points really have the same exact rhythm to them. So in verses 2 to 4, we're going to see when you give to the needy, don't give like the hypocrites do. Give secretly and your father will reward you. So the next two have the same exact rhythm. In verses 5 to 15, when you pray, don't pray like a hypocrite, but pray secretly, and the Father will reward you. And then the third one is in verses 16 to 18, when you fast, don't fast like a hypocrite, but fast secretly, and the Father will reward you. 
So all, of the, all three of these things are good things, right? Giving to the needy, good thing. Praying, good thing. Fasting, good thing. Yet Jesus' point in these verses is that all of these three areas of the Christian life can easily be turned into something for self-promotion instead of God-glorification. So all three of these can be turned into something to promote yourself rather than to promote God, which is obviously wrong. And that is what Jesus is warning us so strongly about here this morning. He's warning us about religious hypocrisy. You may have tried to invite your friends or your family to church before, and the response that you get is, no thank you, the church is full of hypocrites. Ever heard it? Ever heard? The church is full of hypocrites. It's never just, the church has a few hypocrites in it, or the church has some hypocrites. It's always the church is full of hypocrites. But there are actually some studies to back this up in terms of how people view the church. There was a study done back in 2008 by Lifeway Research of over 1,400 adults. And these adults had nothing to do with church. They didn't even go on holidays or anything like that. And so they did this poll on 1,400 non-church-going adults. And what the study revealed was that 72% of these adults say that the church is full of hypocrites. A different study done by the Barna Group, even just last year, uh, did a study on on millennials, which is the, the generation from 18 to about 34. And this study discovered that 35% of millennials cite hypocrisy as part of the reason that they refuse to go to church. So my intention this morning is actually not to prove that they're wrong. I'm not here to prove that there are no hypocrites in our church or that there are no hypocrites in other churches because there certainly are hypocrites all over the place. Instead, my goal is to do what Jesus does here in this passage and warn us all against the dangers of hypocrisy because the danger is real. Jesus is so clear in this passage that his desire for Christians is to not live hypocritical lives, but to live out real, genuine, heartfelt Christianity in secret before God. We're to keep from being hypocritical. Christianity is not meant to be some sort of big, flashy, let me show you how spiritual I am kind of religion. We're not to to shove it in people's faces how great we are because we go to church on Sunday morning. Instead... The Christian disciplines that Jesus brings up here are to be done mostly in secret. Oftentimes without the knowledge of anybody else. But look at verse 1 again. He really gives this introductory warning. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. So why and when do we use the word beware? It's kind of a weird sounding word beware, but we use it to signify trouble, right? That, that there's trouble lurking, there's danger lurking. If somebody has a big mean dog, they put a sign out in front of their house, right? Be- beware of the dog. Or even if you don't have a big mean dog, but you want people to be nervous about your house, you put a sign out and says, beware of the dog, be careful of the dog, take heed of the dog. And Jesus is telling us to beware of practicing our righteousness in front of other people so that they'll look at us, so that they'll notice how great we are here. And so what Jesus is doing here in verses 1 is he's putting a big beware of hypocrisy sign on the beginning of this passage. And so what he begins to do in verses 2 to 18 is he starts to give these illustrations of what it would look like to practice righteous things in front of people in order to be seen by them. Jesus is saying... Beware of this. 
There's trouble here. There's a problem here. There is a, a danger in practicing your righteousness in order to be seen by other people. And this is the danger. The danger is that you will not receive a reward from your Father. So beware. If you go ahead and you practice your righteousness in front of other people to be seen by them, you will not receive a reward from your Father. So it's really as simple as that. If you choose to practice your righteousness out in public so people will see you instead of Christ in you, then you will not receive a reward from your Father. So beware. If you're doing spiritual things so that people will be impressed with you, then don't expect a reward from your father because your hypocrisy has been rewarded with the praise from men instead. So look down at verse 2. We have our first example of what it looks like to be a hypocrite. Thus when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So when Jesus uses the word hypocrites, what does he mean? The word that he uses is is hypocriti, which you can can hear hypocrite in it, hypocriti. It refers to uh, Greek actors, or it refers to the masks that these Greek actors would wear when they were acting. And I think that this is a good way to, to think about a hypocrite. A hypocrite is somebody who is acting, right? They play one person on the screen, yet they are a completely different person off the screen. And if they're a good hypocrite, if they're a good actor, then the person they play on TV or in a movie or on stage is going to be nothing like who they really are. Bethany and I really enjoyed um, the TV show uh, Psych, and it was on for eight seasons and had a a lot of good characters and a lot of good humor and all of that. But after the last episode, they had this big sit-down with all of the main characters, and they were asking them questions. Well, what was it like for eight seasons to do this together and all of that? And it was almost depressing because the actors and the actresses were nothing like their characters on the TV show. Nothing like them. It, it, it was almost like a completely different person with the same face. They were, 